Yes, coming in hot with episode 41 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man whose hedge fund's taken a bit of a hit this week. Jobba. <laughs> How are you, mate? You after those Reddit boys or what's going on? You know I'm part of that Reddit group. Um, Big Daddy 1-4, if you're looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> Deep fucking value. Yeah, he's in there too. <laughs> um, no, there's some rippers. Hedge fund is fine, but it's been a massive week of football. Um, so, look, let's get into it. Let's do it, bud. Um, so, we've got Flavor of the Pod. Um, so, first up, we've got an opening question. Then we're into some weekly happenings. we got a Premier League review. And then we're off to the final transfer corner for a while, I would presume, um, given the window slammed shut today. Um, then we've got a couple of socials. But, yeah, full round of fixtures, so plenty to get into. Um, let's crack in with the opening question. All right, so as you said, the window has slammed shut um, as of Tuesday morning Australia time. I think it's 11 a.m., so be ready for that. I know you'll be sitting there watching the, the ticker go over, probably on your teletext. But um, it got me thinking, who's the biggest winner of the transfer window? Like, we haven't seen much action, and who's the biggest loser? Yeah, for a biggest winner, I was probably leaning towards um, Arsenal um, signing Martin Odegaard and... Um, Matt Ryan for a bit of depth um, after losing um, losing their keeper, but I've I've gone away from that. And I've gone for an individual here. I've gone for Thomas Tuchel. I think um, appreciate some of his his <laughs> signings didn't come technically in the January transfer window, but he has popped into Chelsea for January and essentially has a full squad. Um, ready to choose from, and he's brought in a couple of players from out in the cold. So I'm probably going with um, Tuchel for biggest winner. Who have you got for biggest winner? Um, so the biggest winner, I was tossing up with um, Arsenal as well. So I thought yeah. on the base of getting Odegaard, um, getting rid of Ozil, like that seemed to go on forever. So that was a big one. Forgot that, yep. yeah. <laughs> but the biggest winner out of the transfer window, I think, is um, Aston Villa. I think signing Morgan Sampson just adds depth to an already – high-performing side, like performing above expectations. Chuck Samson in there, and you've got another like excellent midfield next to Douglas Louise that could be anything. Workman-like, support Jack Grealish, Ross Barkley. So I think they're my winner, just ahead of Arsenal, but I think Arteta's done some savvy business. Who have you got for the loser? Biggest loser. Um, and he's, he, I imagine he's not a very good loser either. Um, I've got Diego Costa. So Diego Costa, free agent at the moment. There's a couple of clubs floating around looking for a striker i.e. Man City, probably out of his league. Um, Wolves for another one. Um, Spurs, as you know, have no depth in in that space either. So there's a few floating around for him and he didn't get picked up by anyone. So I would say that given his quality and his resume and to be a free agent, I'm surprised no one went in for him. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's almost a winner not getting signed in January. His stock goes up once that window slams shut because he's a free agent. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's like whoever, okay. like everyone, anyone who gets an injury now to a striker, like I guarantee they'll get a cheeky call from Diego Costa. Yeah, and market, um, yeah, like he's got that weird thing in his contract too, where he, he can't sign for uh, um, the Liga um, team or the team that signs him if they are from um, La Liga. They have to pay a bunch of cash. So yeah. Yeah. watch that space. Interesting I reckon he'll space. Be in the Premier League yeah, just because someone's going to need him and it could be Spurs. Oh, we need him back. We need him back. <laughs> just for a long suspension. So my biggest loser, and I had this one by an absolute mile, was Deli Alley. So he is the biggest loser based on his complete inactivity. 
He needed a move desperately. Tottenham were awful this morning and he still didn't get a look in. Um, yeah. and, and the Euros are coming up too and he should have been a part of that. Should have been a big part of Southgate's squad and he's shot himself in the foot. There is rumours of ever since he said, and I'm quoting here, all we do is fucking lump it and then defend. Ever since he said that, um, yeah, he's sort of been on the outer for Jose. Lump it as much as he wants at the training ground. He's not getting anywhere near a football pitch, is he? <laughs> not anytime soon. Um, yeah, I think Levy's blocking that a bit, isn't he, as well? So, um, yeah, Levy's sort of in the way of um, him going to PSG, but I'm not sure PSG's the right move for him anyway. All right, so let's go on to the weekly happenings and the pod has some huge news in the weekly happenings. Firstly, the weekly happenings is brought to you by, ready for this, American Express. So our friends at American Express are offering all of our listeners 100,000 bonus Qantas points when you sign up for American Express. They have given us our own unique code and the code is now in the show notes. So if you're listening to this at the moment, drop down into the show notes and pick yourself up 100,000 points. Shit, that's big Imagine time. what you could do with that. That's not bad, is it? Um, all right, so let's get into it. So firstly, we have on top of the list is um, Messi's contract. So Messi's contract has found its way out of the filing cabinet and then into a scanner and then uh, <laughs> um, shipped all around the world. So, yeah, Messi's contract has been um, disclosed this week. And there's some scary numbers in there, isn't there? All right. Do you want me to rattle some off? I know you love your numbers. Yeah, hit so, us with a couple. So I'm trying to make sure I get this right, but this he had the total contract worth is 555 million euros. Um, wow. It's 138 million per season. That's fixed plus variables. Two premiums of 115 million for accepting a renewal in 2017 plus a 77 million loyalty bonus. So his $555 million contract is h- exactly half of the club's overall debt. <laughs> That's yeah, some scary numbers in there, isn't there? I love the loyalty bonus in there too where he's getting – somehow he's getting a loyalty bonus just for seeing out his contract even though he's signing a tr- contract to say he'll stay there. He still gets a loyalty bonus. They are in a <laughs> precarious financial position because of him. Like it's – yeah, it's certainly a risk, isn't it? Who, who's doing more damage, Ozil to um, Arsenal, <laughs> although that's then buried, or um, Messi to Barca? Yeah, it's, you don't want to be responsible for letting like, one of the best players in the world go, but that hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, you can do a lot that's with a, five that's a big number to jump over, especially when you don't pay tax on that. That's a lot of yeah. money. Um, all right, so. Nine, Harry Maguire's, I think. So, I don't know. You, you tell me which one's better. <laughs> Um, all right, so next up on weekly happenings, we have uh, the Serge Aurier fiasco. So at halftime, he started against Liverpool. Um, they come in down against Liverpool um, Spurs and him and Jose get into it. Jose takes him off, makes a sub at half time, and instead of jumping in the shower and then coming out to watch the second half, he jumps in his car and left the stadium. What do you make of Serge's behaviour and um, is he agitating for a move? Ah. Uh, I don't think he's that good. Surely he knows that as well, doesn't he? Um, I, well, like, I don't know if he can come back. I don't know if Jose would let you back after that, would he? He's, he doesn't seem the most forgiving bloke, no. No, out of character for him. But, yeah, I, I thought, Serge, he's had a couple of absolute stinkers, so I think he needs to be a little bit more polite. And he wasn't in the <laughs> side um, this morning either, so I think he might be done. 
Yeah, well, he's not even on the bench. Yes, completely out of squad, as you say. So, um, yeah, it doesn't look good for Serge, but um, I'm sure if he picks a fight with Mourinho, he's good enough to win it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up is um, Arsenal's new signing, Martin Aldegaard. So, didn't start um, this week against United. And then come off the bench. Well, I'm not sure what minute. Did he come on at halftime or the uh, No, a bit after. A bit after a bit half-time. halftime. So he's probably running about in 35 minutes of match time. Um, and then, as you know, all the viewers vote for man of the match. And in Norway, um, he won man of the match with 26% of the votes despite playing only 35 minutes um, and starting on the bench. So what do you think? A bit of... Um, What's the Eurovision about this voting yeah. or what's going on? So this was he was man of the match after seventy five minutes as voted by the viewers um, of Norway. So he played That's a total early. of ten minutes. Um, so and he got man of the match. I, I think there's a bit going on there. Um, no bias there at all. Might be, be FIFA organising it. Um, you know, in Eurovision, when um, like you can't vote for your own country, so all those um, Scandinavian countries sort of vote for each other to try and um, like, you know, yeah, the Norway, <laughs> Norway votes for Denmark, um, Iceland votes for um, Norway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah no, I don't like those socialist type environments. Um, but no, it's good news for Odegaard, good for Arsenal fans to see me out there. But one last weekly happening this week. So what happened in France? The passionate people, aren't they? Yeah, I know. Um, Marseille. So the fans aren't happy there with the board and how the club's being run. They've dumped out of the um, Champions League early. Not the best run of form. And the fans have stormed the training ground and set fire to the training ground and got the match postponed um, in France. So, yeah, not a good story to end on um, coming out of Marseille. No. But that's that passion of those Marseille fans. They are, they are a big club and they'll be back. They're former Champions League winners, Marseille. So, um, Unbelievable. Yeah, they've, they've certainly fallen a long way. But, look, let's it's get a, into it. It's a bit unusual um, that, um, yeah, you think burning the training ground and help the club, not hurt it, but there you go. Um, yeah, but let's get into it. So, first up, we have um, Everton at home, nil, to Brucey's Newcastle, two. What do you think of Callum Wilson's performance here? Yeah, so um, he, he had a couple of early chances in the first half, but I reckon I was doing a bit of a, a count before we got here. I reckon he could have scored four goals easily. <laughs> yeah, he missed some just chances. Had, he missed some chances. Everton just weren't at the races. And I sat down on Saturday evening to watch this game, um, and I wasn't overly excited about it. But it just was nothing like what I expected. Like, Everton just... Like they had a couple of sort of flash in the pan moments, but they really just weren't at the race. And Carlo was steaming after the game, uh, but very yeah. disappointing for Everton. Carlo was unhappy. He called some most of the players um, lazy and they had no energy. So, yeah, he wasn't happy at all. Um, but, I mean, in terms of Everton, they can't really find a flow, can they? Their form's just so up and down. Like they'll put in a shift and put in a performance and then – drop off the, the next week. So, yeah, I think they seem a bit lost at the moment. But, I mean, in terms of Newcastle, how much trouble would they be in without Callum Wilson and, and his goals? Yeah. I think, like every time they sort of get close, then, yeah, they sort of lean on him and he pulls something out like this and sort of kicks him um, up up the table. I think they jumped like two or three spots um, into 15th. Uh, and what was that, six points, no, eight points clear of the uh, 
of the drop zone. So, I mean, it doesn't doesn't take much, but I think that's what we've, what we've been saying all year, isn't it, really, where just to get away from those bottom couple of teams, you've only got to win one or two games and you can create some real distance because you're fighting against teams who essentially do not win football matches. Yeah, but it was it was a um, a really encouraging result for Newcastle. I couldn't put my finger on whether they really deserved to win or Everton were just that poor. Um, and Callum Wilson just took those chances like right at the end there. Um, pretty unlucky to make it two 0 but that header from the John Joe Shelby corner was like an yeah. excellent finish. Yeah. He's, he's just really sharp. It just shows what you can do in the prem. You can not only stay up, but you can do some real damage just by essentially staying tight and having someone like Wilson, Callum Wilson in your team who's just sharp at the, the front end. You can essentially just really hurt teams with, I mean, not a whole lot really. I think if if you do that, you, you'll stay in the Premier League for, for years and, and you only need a couple of tools to be able to do that. But interestingly this week as well, uh, Steve Bruce brought in a new assistant manager, Graham Jones, who is the first team coach at Bournemouth, um, will join Brucey's gang as an assistant manager. Um, it's a bit of a shock move, and I th- hopefully this is to to play some better football for the Newcastle fans. Uh, doubt it, but Alan St. Maximin came off the bench, so potentially there'll be a bit of excitement. But great result! That is excitement. For, great result for the turn and Brucey. Really happy. So, for him. what are you saying? Newcastle safe now? Eight yeah, well, points this, clear, this weekend, and they're playing okay. This weekend's been an absolute paradigm shift um, in the bottom of the table because of the clearer. Fulham. Yeah, the Fulham West Brom draw did neither of them any favours, and the Brighton win, Newcastle win. Um, there's now seven points between 18th and 17th. So, like 20 games to, or 18 games to go, they have an eight point lead on Bright uh, on Fulham. Fulham are starting to look good, but eight points is a lot of ground to make up. Yep, big gap, and and even Everton, I think. Like, the answer there too. Um, for, so you know. And even Everton, like I think they're in my head, they're struggling, um, and they're a bit out of form. They're down to eighth, but got a couple of games in hand. They win both of those, they go into fifth. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're just not too far off the pace as well. It just shows that you know teams aren't sort of or well, top four isn't really galloping away from from anyone at all. Um, all right, so if we're done with Everton, Newcastle, we might move on to um, an easy win for Palace. One, um, Wolves nil. Bit patchy from Wolves. Very patchy from Wolves. I didn't like. I I think it just sort of um, went over my head a little bit just how bad Wolves' form is right now. Um, they, I don't think they've won in eight now. And Palace, oh, Palace aren't a particularly good side. Mitchy Batchuai missed an excellent chance early, but um, William Jones had a couple of chances. But Wolves, Wolves were quite poor um, throughout the whole game. And Palace, like easy, obviously scored a nice goal, great first touch to set himself up for that. I thought. And then Wolves Zaha smacked the crossbar, but it was a pretty underwhelming display from Wolves. Yeah, it was like Wolves weren't good, but Palace weren't much better for the for the three points. Um, I've got down here, it's sort of a, a story of two teams who can't score. So on Palace's side, you've got um, Bashwai, as you say, blasted over from um, close range. Ayu, um, he hasn't scored for ages. Benteke, as we, we know, his scoring record. Zaha, again, dangerous, but um, yeah, he, hitting the crossbar on a chance, he probably should have scored. And then on Wolves' side, you've got... Um, like Rore, I mean, again, dangerous and, and looks damaging but doesn't really score many goals. And Silva, um, again, who hasn't really um, really scored many goals considering um, he's meant to be stepping up and uh, filling uh, Neves' shoes. So, Yeah. 
but good result for Palace, so they'll take that one. So, um, so they move up the table. Wolves now winless in eight. Um, only Fulham have a longer winless run right now. So, not great news for Wolves fans. No, nah, we're struggling for sure. All right, now let's go up to the pointy end of the table with um, Man City 1, Chef United 0. Man City at home. To be honest, I thought this was going to be a lot more. Yeah, well, um, Sheffield United didn't start the game particularly well and um, Ampadu gave Ferran Torres every possible chance to set up a goal there at the start there. Was, like, was there like a bag of marbles on the ground there or something? That was what some bad defending. Oh, and they sort of tuned out. They were like, oh, he's he's facing the other way. He's sort of half falling over. The danger's gone and switched off. And he just sort of rolled them and, and come back inside. And, yeah, Jesus was there. I mean, even Jesus' finish just looked a bit clumsy. Um, they really need a striker, don't they? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think Sheffield United need a number of players. But, um, yeah, it wasn't great from Jesus. But Ferran Torres got a reward for his endeavour there, I think. Um and that side of Walker and Ferran Torres, they looked menacing for the whole game in what was a pretty sort of average game. I thought they looked very menacing. Um, but Johnny Fleck almost pinched the equaliser. Did you see that volley? That would have been oh. nice to see too, yeah. yeah. Billy Sharp with the chest down. That's football. That is football. <laughs> it's football. Long ball in from the right. Billy Sharp pushes Kyle Walker out of the way and then Johnny Fleck lashes one. You can't beat that. No, after a horrendous start as in – the worst ever Premier League start. Sheffield United seem to be showing a little bit. Like they beat um, beat United, Manchester United, a um, couple of days, four days prior to this. And then I think there's a reasonably good showing against City. I think they only lost, obviously only lost 1-0. Gave them some problems and, and got some um, praise from Pep at the end, the bald fraud. Um, he praised them and said that, you know, they, they work hard. They seem to be um, trying and all pulling them in the same directions. And as I said, like, it didn't blow out. So I think not a bad performance from Chef United or performances um, more recently. Like, they seem to be fighting a bit. I'm not sure that they can close that gap now that um, Brighton have kicked away, which we'll touch on soon. But, yeah, still rock bottom and Man City on top, three points clear with the game in hand. I didn't, I didn't what are you know thinking? Man, Man City breaking that. away now? Um, I didn't know Pep had said that. But I also had, based on that game, I thought they had showed really good spirit. Like, they just kept fighting till the end. They really look like they're up for it, which is weird considering how few points they have. Um, go on. Yeah. And, well, it's good. It's, as I said, it's good that they're still battling. And, I, like, all hope isn't dashed. But, I mean, geez, their back's against the wall here. But, uh, as I said, the uh, last couple of pods, they seem to be losing games by the old goal and stuff. So, I think it should be – I think they'll pick up some more points and some more wins. Yeah. Um, in the coming weeks. But what do you think of Man City? I mean, they're really hitting their stride now, um, conceding sort of barely any goals, um, only conceded 13 goals, which is by a long way the best defensive record in the Prem. Um, top of the form table and three points clear at top and they play Burnley next. So are we looking at um, potential winners here? Yeah, well, I think this week is a, a layup for them, but next weekend on the eighth of February they take on Liverpool. So I think that's really <laughs> the litmus test. And then so it goes: Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, the Champions League fixture against Mochin Gladbach, which they're a bit of a banana skin. They did a good job on Real Madrid. Then West Ham, Manchester United. So the next that's on, that's in the space of a month. Like all those fixtures I just rattled off is in the space of one month. So if they get through this month unscathed. They're, I think they're well on their way to win the league. Make or break time. And 
I said probably mm, five, six weeks ago that they will go on and win the title. So I'd like that on, on record too. Um, because, yeah, like defensively, they just look too good. You, you're just never going to um, like do a number on, on Man City to the point where they can't get back in the game. Like they're just so tight at the back. Just John Stones' form's been um, so good. I know um, Laporte started this and um, Diaz dropped to, to the bench, but. Yeah, they still look um, as solid as ever and another clean sheet and Man City stay top, looking very good. So let's move on to a draw, a two-all draw that didn't really do a lot for West Brom and did even less for Fulham. A draw here and, um, yeah, I think that's sort of kept both teams in trouble as opposed to throwing a lifeline to one of the, one of the teams. Yeah, so no, look, this was this was a thoroughly entertaining fiction, but I think that was based on a lack of quality in defence from both teams. Um, the first goal from uh, Fulham was lovely. A bit of interplay with Mitrovic and Cordova-Reed and then slotted at home and then he smacked the post a few minutes later as well. But Good to but, see Mitro involved here. Yeah. Good to see Mitro involved. But yeah, look, the, um, this game toed and froed a little bit um, more than you would have liked, but... I felt like Fulham probably had the best of it and would be disappointed walking away with the draw. What do you think? Yeah, I think they'd be disappointed with the draw, but like West Brom would be disappointed with the draw as well. I think, as I said, there's no there's no value in, in a point for either of these teams. Both of them really needed to, to win and they both had a crack at winning, which is why I think you saw such a, a an open game. So yeah, it doesn't really do a lot for, for either of them. Um, and at this stage, I'm probably thinking that that bottom three is going to be the bottom three, especially with um, Brighton's result. So what are you thinking, that that bottom three stays as is? Yeah, well, that, as I said, that result didn't help anyone. Um, and they just it's such a big gap, seven points. But we have seen some miracles in the past. I think West Bromwich, Albion, Sunderland, Leicester City, of course. Like, I just, I think the Premier League is the is the pinnacle of these relegation struggles, isn't it? You just can't write anyone off, um, even like until it's mathematically certain. Yeah, I, I, but I think this is a, like this season is a bit of an exception. I think um, to that, where I just don't like the wins and the the flow of games just aren't that aren't that smooth for teams to to get on a run. So, like if you were to get on a run, I know that um, different teams have missed missed games and gone behind. Um, had to catch up games and stuff like that due to COVID. Um, I think because the games and fixtures are so tight, um, some players can't recover. So you, essentially, once you do get a flow uh, going with the same squad or same sort of first eleven, you need to change it just because they can't play that many games so close together. We're playing games like three every three days, so mm. I think it's hard to get on a flow. So for one of those teams to really um, push out. That's what you really need, um, a steady squad, um, some understanding between each other and to get on a roll. But you just can't see that happening due to COVID and the the amount of um, changes that need to happen to rest the players. So that Ivan Cavallero strike in the 76th minute, that was the 50th goal that West Brom have conceded this year. Worst defence in the Premier League. By some distance. 16 goals, I believe. Uh, No, 14 over Leeds. I mean, bringing in Sam, you, you thought that would have improved, but it's actually since he's come in, it's got worse. Um, so they conceded their last five games. They conceded two against Fulham. They conceded five against Man City, two against West Ham, 
two against Wolves and four against Arsenal. So, yeah, it's tough to win games when you can win shipping like two or more goals every game. Yeah, they're in strife. They are in big, big strife. Trouble. Big trouble. All right. Um, so now we are off to London and Arsenal nil, Manchester United nil. Did Manchester United get to the top of the table, have a nosebleed panic and realise they can't win the league and start to fall down, yes or no? So I've, I've thought long and hard about this because I went through a stage of self-reflection after this game. And any time that any sort of expectation goes towards Manchester United, they, they crumble. Like the Champions League, when they, they got to first and then bang, nosebleed, done, out of the group. League, they everyone was like, oh, they're not doing too well. You know, they're... Away record or the away records are right, but they can't win a game at home. Bang, win a couple of games in a row. Everyone else sort of does the old Stephen Bradbury in front of you. You first, and then they bottle it again. And this display just that was all those things coming to a fore again. Arsenal were there for the taking, like Saka's out. We're like, yep, we're in here. Martinelli's underdone. Abamyang's out, and they just couldn't get it done. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like. Stephen Bradbury is a good analogy because um, this year everything seems to be, um, you know, it just it feels different and, and there's just so many injuries. You look at the people who can challenge them. Leicester just had so many injuries at the start of the year. Obviously, Liverpool riddled with injuries now. Man City don't have any strikers. No, and Manchester United, right yeah, Manchester United found themselves on top and we're, and we're like, oh, yeah, but we're not – we're not gonna. We're not ready to win it next year. We're sort of we'll sort ourselves out next year. But for me, I'm sort of thinking, looking at them, going, "Well, why not this year? Like you guys have have the squad to do it. You don't have any inju- injuries comparative to um, other teams around you, or as big a gaps in your squad as the other teams are around you. Like I think if Harry Kane goes down for Spurs as he has, um, they're just going to be in a huge world of pain. I don't think you like individually rely on anyone in your team." Um, Probably Bruno is probably the closest thing to that. But I'm just thinking, why not this year? Because all that's going to happen in the future is like Leicester are going to get some of their um, players back and and get their defence settled, potentially sign some players. Like Liverpool are going to get their centre-backs back soon. Man City are going to spend some cash. Um, Chelsea will sort out their um, their style of play with um, Tuchel and have a fresh squad to, to go to. So like I just can't see why they, as you say, why they wouldn't go for the throat of Arsenal in this game or while they wouldn't have a genuine crack at the title this year. They just seemed to get to the top and, and freeze. Yeah, it was just such – and this game was all of that coming. So first half, very dull affair. Um, but Marcus Rashford has an excellent chance to put Manchester United in front. But what is he doing? Back stick, like just smack it home. Like he does like this weird – like half Maradona spin because he wants to be fancy, sells a dummy. I'm like, just just put it away. Like, that, that's when he was chopping back a bunch of oh, times. What's yeah. he doing? Just shoot. Like, just be ruthless there. Um, and then, so that's basically the chance of the first half. Second half, Arsenal came out, and for about 10, 15 minutes, I thought Arsenal looked by far the better side. And I was like, they're going to take this game. Um, Nicholas Pepe or Nicola Pepe was looking quite ominous. Smith Rowe was busy. Um, and William, like all the sort of byproduct of that was chances for William, who is just absolutely shorn of confidence, isn't he? Yeah, like I don't. 
he's got no confidence, but then everyone sort of has piled onto him, which has made it even worse. Like it just it's compounded from there. So like, a, lot get, the, a lot of the commentaries around the great good. block from Wambasaka, but like Wambasaka should never been Wambasaka was already out of position, but Wambasaka should never had a chance to block that shot. Um, Williams should have like put that away comfortably. Wambasaka got man of the match in this fixture too. Yeah, I think that says a lot about the game. Um, but then, like a couple of couple of shocking misses from Edison Cavani, like within the six yard box, um, yeah. sort of summed up things because he was he was very poor in the game. And like, so he's I wanted to ask you about that. I wanted to ask you about how he sort of found his way into the team, and Martial's found his way out of the team. And then on thirty seven minutes, you sort of reintroduce Martial. Like, how that come about, and why is that happening? So Scott McTominay was unwell leading into the game. Um, but I, I don't know why the change was made in the way it was. Like, the Manchester United weren't doing too poorly at this point. They were probably on top in, like, a relatively tight game, but, like, Arsenal weren't a massive threat. Um, but he took off Scott McTominay due to his illness and brought on Martial. I genuinely do not understand why the move wasn't Donny van der Beek. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the why because he hates Donny van der Beek. But, like, what was the – if you if you're making a change, if you're bringing off Scott McTominay, holding midfielder, and putting on Martial, who's traditionally your number nine, at 37 minutes, you've got your team selection wrong at that point, don't you? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think the, the McTominay, like, um, illness is just a good excuse for him to be like, oh, actually, I'll just butchered this team selection again. So you can see he's trying to fit Pogba in on the left again. But then he just moves him back as soon as – so if McTominay's not there, Pogba's your next best midfielder. Like, But Donny just sits there on the bench doing nothing. I just don't – I just didn't get it. I think he got the shape wrong. He's like, oh, this is my new shape at work once, so now it's the way forward. Um, yeah, it just didn't – it didn't make any sense. And it was a game that Manchester and I were fairly comfortable in at that point. But then after the second half, um, Arteta being a real coach, I think he actually said something to his players – and changed, but yeah, just story of the season. They're very underwhelming display. Lacazette with a great free kick hit the crossbar. Jeez, oh, um, that was close. And then Smith Rowe had a good chance as well, but it was a good save from De Gea. Nice little touch in there from Smith Rowe again. Just like his movement makes things happen. But then we had time for some a comical air swing from Cavani, and then that weird bicycle thing where he's cut Martial off um, when Martial should have tapped home. Martial's in a much better position for that much than better. Cavani. Cavani's sort of like, yeah, it's too far behind him at that point to, to get a shot on target. Yeah, it's quite demoralised in that respect. But Arsenal unbeaten in seven now and Manchester United unbeaten away in 18 games, which is a club record. That's impressive. Um, I'm not sure how many of those they've won versus drawn, but, um, yeah, still an impressive outcome. Another clean sheet for Arsenal, which is impressive. Uh, led by their skipper, Hector Bellerin. So that rotational skipper policy is working wonders. It is. Um, they travel to Wolves <laughs> Travel to Wolves on Wednesday, so I wouldn't be surprised if they keep the clean sheet streak going. And Manchester United travel to Southampton, who have some injury problems right now. So potentially um, good week for both those sides. Yeah, I think I'd rather be playing Southampton next, though, um, to be fair. Yeah, so hopefully that goes well. Fingers crossed. So let's let's not dwell on this one. Let's move on um, to Aston Villa 1, Southampton nil. I want to talk about Ross Barkley's goal, but I know you want to talk about Danny Ings' arms. No, well, firstly, I want to talk about um, 
Southampton's shout for a penalty earlier for the handball on um, Cash. Did you see this one? Yeah, but why is that not handball? How? The VR have looked at it. His arm is out from the side. There's going to be – it's going to – the shot is on target. It hits his hand. It's like the I only one that isn't handball thing. in the last three months. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah, give they've it. given – yeah, I, I agree. They've given some like, yeah, guys who are defending crosses and the ball's blasting to them from a yard away. They've given that handball. But a shot on target that hits his hand – that they've they've seen. It's not as if they didn't check at the VR. It actually went to VR, and they said, "No, nah, play on." So yeah, I think Southampton should have had a penalty early. Um, very unlucky, but then yeah, in between the two VR shouts, um, which Danny's will get to, Ross Barkley with a hell of a header. Yeah, Aston Villa are an enjoyable side to watch, aren't they? I think it's a lot of it's around Jack Grealish's um, dribbling, but that Grealish Barkley bromance that I have put together in my head, like, um, like what a ball from Jack Grealish. And then Ross Barkley, that's that's Ross Barkley of, like, you know, five years ago when he's an Everton youngster come through. Like, he steams onto that. And I love the fact that Ross Barkley's getting into the box again because it's just, like, he's confident. He's really, like, trying to impose himself on games. Um, but it was great is that, a, is that a shout for um, Tuchel to come get me or not from Ross? <laughs> I think I think Ross Barkley knows he's done at Chelsea. Um, so is he is he on loan from yeah, from Chelsea or did he move? No, he's on loan. He's on loan. Yeah. So no, that's a that's a come get me, Thomas. So that shout. that header, right? So um, is he a shout for the Euros? I think he's a shout for the Euros. Uh, I think he's a bit a little bit in trouble where he's got some players in similar position to him. Um, that are doing a little bit better. Like Grealish is a very similar player to him. Um, Madison he plays in that eight spot or that ten spot as well. So, I mean, he's got some stiff competition. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the plane. I would be shocked if he's in the starting team, though. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I think he's going to be on the plane. I don't think he'll be in the starting lineup. But um, he's playing very well, and the combination with Grealish right now is absolutely flourishing. So, hopefully, Jack's on the plane as well. But Southampton still had time for a number of chances here. Um, Martinez made a couple of good saves. But the talking point of this one has to be Danny Ings is offside. What do you think? Like you were saying before, you think he's offside. Um, and you think that VAR has been good so far with these calls. Wow. Um, that's absolute bollocks. I mean, <laughs> let the boys play. 93rd minute. And I think what they, they ruled that his shoulder or his elbow forward was offside. Yeah, shoulder. Like, it's just, oh, just even if his arm is tucked in, he just receives no advantage from that. Um, yeah, yeah, for me, he's in line. The advantage should stay with the striker as it previously was. And the 93rd minute equaliser gets scrubbed off um, just after Danny peels off to the corner. That's That's heartbreaking, isn't it? So I, I know heartbreak, right? Because I saw Ralph Harsenhutl cry after he beat Klopp a couple of weeks ago. That's why heartbreak. Is he, That's why, is he cry, why isn't he crying now? Like if I was going to be crying at one of those two occasions, it would be Danny Ings' offside equaliser being ruled out, not after beating Klopp. Like, that, mm. was, that was heartbreaking. I was watching that and I'm like, oh, you know, they've deserved that. Like it's been a good display. It's been a good game. Um. And just rubbed off for a stupid offside, and Ralph's like, "Oh, you know, we got the injuries, can't complain." I was like, "Bullshit, you can't complain!" Like, now's the time to show the emotion. That was ridiculous. Fucking bullshit! Like, if you're Danny Ings and you've scored a 93rd minute equaliser at home, 
um, like it'd be a big point for Southampton. You peel off, you knee slide, your boys jump over you, and then, yeah, this VAR rubbish comes up and ruins it. Like imagine that feeling like in your stomach yeah. and seeing that. Oh, terrible. Shocking. So, um, yeah, good win for Villa. So Villa go, where are Villa now? Are they flying? Um, ninth. Villa, <laughs> Villa are ninth. They're not flying. They've got two games in hand, but they win those, and they can go all the way up to fifth. Um, and mm. Southampton in 11th, um, disappointing result for the Saints. So they drop. Um, no, they don't move, actually, but they are still behind Arsenal in that 10th yeah. spot. After a good start for Southampton, they seem to have slipped, haven't they? And they're down in 11th. Um, do, you, like, do you think that if the season was to finish now, 11th, they'd be okay with that? Or do you think they'd be a bit a bit put out by that? No, I think I think the injuries are starting to impact them a little bit. Like They've just had a couple of key players like go down different times, like Ings goes down. James Ward-Prowse had, uh, Ward had to move to right back for this game because um, I think Walker-Peters is out. So they've lost three consecutive games. But I think it just shows how tight the table is. Like if you lose three games in a row, all of a sudden, like Southampton, when they beat Liverpool, they were like third, weren't they? Or four. Yeah, and then as they lose three games and you're in the second row. half of the table. Yeah, yeah, it's tight. It is tight. Bloody yeah. tight. But no, it looks 11th isn't good enough for them. I think they're a good side, and I think once they get some players back on deck, they'll improve again. So let's move on to what I thought was the performance of the weekend. Chelsea Ooh. 2, Burnley 0. Tuchel, like they were purring on the weekend. I thought they were outstanding. What do you think? Yeah, oh, I'd probably agree. I think like Tuchel said in the post-match interview that they dominated from start to finish, which I probably agree with. They dominated the ball and, and got their goals at good times too to have control of the game. Um, he did slip in a bit of a long ball comment there didn't like to that. Daishi. <laughs> yeah. Little one to the little, just a little <laughs> to the ribs of um, Daishi where he's like, oh, they played a lot of long balls that we had to deal with. Just a little touch there, but I think if um, what is he two games deep at the moment? Two, yeah, one game out, deep. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, you you're gonna have a long, a long tough career then if you think um, if you think that's the only style because uh, wait till you play a cup game or something like that. Yeah. Or wait till you play anyone um, with less desire than, than Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or or even like some of the good teams, like the Leicesters. You, as you say, the Manchester United, they they play that style. Spurs, they're up there. They play that style. Plus all the teams down the bottom, like your, your West Broms, um, Burnley, who, who they played, like play um, Palace to an extent, play the similar style. So yeah, Tuchel better get better get used to that. But two people who were left out in the cold um, under Lampard. Uh, Asper Aqueta and um, Callum Hubson and Doy with the goals. What do you think of this masterstroke bringing them back in? Um, no, so it was Alonso and Asper Aqueta that scored, but Hudson Adoy was outstanding. Yeah, the match, sorry. Yeah, yeah, he was he was clearly man of the match. He was in like this weird pseudo wingback role, I think, um, similar to that Marcus Alonso where like you don't really have any defensive responsibilities, and we'll get back to that later. But he was. Like, he was a constant threat. And what he did that was so effective too was, like, he kept the width because Burnley were very tight. But he kept the width, but he also has that threat of his dribbling. So, like, with, like, a Trent Alexander-Arnold, he'll keep the width, but you know he's going to whip in, like, a good cross. Hudson-Odoi has that, like, dual threat where if he takes the man on, he can do some real damage as well. And what, like, we saw was he was, like, mixing it up beautifully. I thought he was fantastic. 
Yeah, Tuchel's gone with a 3 4 2 1, so classic Christmas tree to um, open up <laughs> Chelsea's Chelsea's home home account. But yeah, I think that that's just a masterstroke, really, um, bringing in some players that were yeah left out of the cold by Lampard, especially some of the new stories coming out of the what he's been doing in the dressing room and stuff like that to, to the players. Um, yeah, I think it was a good idea to bring in some of these fringe players who were out of favour, and you just you see the quality that. I know Alonso's not the best defender, but, I mean, that finish on the chest, thigh, and then nice little left foot volley into the roof of the net. On that goal nice. right, so what other left back in world football plays the ball down the line but isn't like, oh, I'll drop off, you know, support, I'll wrap around? Which one goes to the front stick? Like, for the crowd, he's like, I'll pitch one just I was watching his run and I just couldn't think of any other player who plays left back that would do that. Like, everyone would try and rap or something, but he's like, nah, I'm a chance here. I'll, yeah. I'll get on the end of one. So, I mean, interestingly, at um, at right wing back, he went with hudson Adoy um, over Reese James. Reese James has been playing for Lampard. And then on the, the left-hand side, um, he went with um, Marcus Alonso as opposed to Ben Chilwell. So a couple of changes there which um, are very evident from um, Lampard's team and it seems to seem to have worked. And, yeah, I mean, tough tough decisions to make from Tuchel. Yeah, tough decisions, but they, Chelsea was in control from start to finish. Great display, created a lot of chances, had 19 shots, eight of them on target, had Burnley had no shots on target for the entire game. Um, Chelsea absolutely dominant, great display, and I think it just shows only one game in. But like, they do have so much quality in that squad. Like Georgie, good to see. Nice. Yep, good to see Timo Werner get played back into form too. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, he's had another hour there. He? <laughs> oh shit! I almost forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on. Look, Talk us oh, through it. Oh, I can't. Sorry. Um, so he's the, cross, the cross has come in from the excellent Callum Hudson and he's. I think he's kicked himself in the leg, Werner. Oh. He just didn't adapt, and it's like whacked him in the shin. Very comical stuff. Um, from what's happened to him? He's played. He turned up to Chelsea. He played five decent games where you're like, "Wow, he looks very sharp." And then now he's. It's looking like he's forgotten how to play football. Yeah, I think he's got that Fernando Torres disease. Um, so as soon as you sign for Chelsea for over fifty million, like you, you, you just forget how to play football. Havertz has got it too. I don't know if it's permanent, but um, hopefully they figure something out. But Dyche said four or five of his boys were off, and Chelsea were just way too good in this one. Yep. <sighs> God, I enjoyed that, Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> what? So before we move off that game, what is your expectations from um, Chelsea and Tuchel? I don't here. get. I don't get into seventh. Yeah, into seventh on thirty-three points. Um, just a couple of points behind the top four there. I think they'll get back in the top four before the end of the year. They've done the right thing, second Frank. They waited too long. They should have never appointed him. Um, but I think he'll get him back in the top four. He's he just he's such a calming presence, and you can see there's an air of confidence about him too, and that. Straight away, you can see like a new manager bounce, and um, he's managed those big egos before. I think they'll bounce back and be in top four before the end of the season. All right, very good. So now let's go on to the two entertainers of the league Leicester City versus Leeds. So Leicester at home, one, Leeds, three. Bit of a shock result here. Um, 
yeah, the the good leads turned up this week as opposed to some of the other mm. leads performances we've seen. So no surprise for me when I saw a team sheet that featured no Jamie Vardy and no Indeedy, who's the best player in the Leicester team. I knew they were done for. That was the moment I knew Leeds were going to win this game. But you Both lose Indeedy, yeah, you lose Indeedy, you just lose that balance, and Leeds exploited that. He's just a workhorse, most underrated player in the league, I think, Indeedy. Yeah, he's he's a big miss for for Leicester, and as you say, he sort of holds them together. They brought in um, Mendy um, to play his role, but I mean, he's just he's half the size of him, and and half as good, I think. So yeah, costly for. Leicester, but uh, Leicester started brightly, um, cut out ball um, from James Justin. It sort of laid it into Harvey Barnes, travelled a long way, 1-2 with uh, Madison and whipped it into the bottom corner. Nice finish, Leicester go ahead 12 minutes in, but Leeds hit back straight away. Um, 15th minute, yeah, Stuart Dallas with a, with a nice finish. Yeah, cheap turnover from James Madison, I thought, for the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and Soft after- left foot pass. He doesn't have that. Yeah. Like his left foot is nowhere near as good as his right foot. If that's on his right foot, he whips that out nice and hard um, on his left foot. Telegraphed it a little bit, I thought, so got the pass got picked off, as you say, and just completely underhit. Yep. But nice goal from Leeds. Um, the thing that was enjoyable about this was how like hard Stuart Dallas worked to get like to be a part of it. Um, mm. And I'm going to contrast that a little bit later with one of the show's favourite players. But, like, he wanted to be on the end of that ball, and he did, and he got there, and that was a great goal. Um, so really good for Leeds. Love watching them when they get like that. But the um, it was an offside goal from a corner. Very interesting stuff. Offside, though, a long yeah, way offside. Yeah, mile offside. It was a great ball from Calvin Phillips. I really wish they'd just let the boys play. Oh, that, mate, that's offside. He's standing right in front of the goalkeeper and volleyed it in from a yard out with no one around him. Yeah. But then after that, we had we had a moment of beauty from Patrick Bamford. So this is the goal of the game. I really oh. enjoyed this goal. Great yeah, ball from but, Rafinha. And then Bamford, he looked uncomfortable, but I was about to say that. I think it's run across him and I'm like, geez, he's let that go across him. Now look at that. Oh, wow. My first thought was he's forgot he's left-footed. Yeah, when he like he looked so uncomfortable in up to it, and then once he hit it, holy shit! Schmeichel, Jeez. no chance. Peter Schmeichel would have saved it, but not Cashbar. <laughs> big, big call. Peter is about fifty years old now, and Casper is playing the Premier League, so big call. Um, yeah, but oh, hell of a finish, and um, definitely goal of the game. Um, so once once Leicester went two one behind. They sort of pressed forward and were leaving some huge gaps. So at that point, either two things were going to happen, like Leicester were going to break back into the game and and sort of, um, yeah, their sort of pressure was going to fold Leeds or Leeds were going to counterpunch them. And the latter happened. Leeds counterpunched them. So Bamford threw and um, he laid it off to Jack Harrison who worked his socks off to get there. Didn't he? And if there's ever a FIFA goal, this is it. Oh, Damn it, I've got three things on this goal, right? <laughs> and you've stolen all of them. So I'm going to go back two passes. So um, poor ball in from James Madison. Again, I'm just going to hammer James Madison. I, like two big moments, and he's a big game player in my opinion, and they were two very poor moments. Poor ball in. Brilliant work from Dallas on the touchline there to even get the ball through. Yeah, um, a little poke through, yeah. yeah. And then that was a sweaty FIFA goal. Like, mm. And if you're in that position, are you shooting? I think I am, but 
I'd finish it, so it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, yeah I'm blazing that over the bar every day of the week. <laughs> Might even no, drop that, the that's, that's that's the situation where someone throws a controller at a TV screen. That one. Yeah, no, you quit. Um, but Marco Bielsa was very magnanimous in defeat. Um, he said the game was quite even, um, but they just had some better moments. But I think that was a pretty fair reflection. Um, Brendy was not overly unhappy. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an even game. It was a very entertaining game, high-quality game, I thought, really good. Yeah, I thought, I thought Brendy wasn't unhappy because of the run of form that Leicester have been on. So they, they've, um, they haven't lost in the last nine games. So, yeah, I, th- I think recently they've been, been doing um, rather, rather well. So, yeah, to drop a game isn't the end of the world, especially, as you say, with a couple of key players out. And if there's anything that's going to pick you up and get you up for the next game, it is a trip to Craven Cottage um, in for the next fixture. So, yeah, not, so you're going to get these games with Leicester just because of, the, um, yeah, as I said, the injuries that they've got at the moment and because they're not the finished product yet. So you're going to get these um, performances. So I think that's why he wasn't down. And, um, yeah, I think they'll they'll move on to Craven Cottage and look to pick themselves up. Um, Leeds in 12th, though. No movement and, and in 12th. Yeah, I think that's about that seems about right. They've still got some defensive issues. Um, but, yeah, very good performance, great result. And you just, yeah, <laughs> as you said, you got the good leads. So I'm assuming based on that that this week we will probably get the bad leads. Um uh, who are they? Who have they got this week? Leeds. They Everton. Are, oh no! So it was absolutely shit. Everton on Saturday, and who knows what Leeds are going to turn up? But I think Everton should be able to bounce back. All right. Um, so let's move on to West Ham one Liverpool with their twelfth different centre back partnership three. Getting it done. So let's talk about the first half highlights. All right, let's move on to the second half. Average first half oh, by Liverpool so and game. So slow. Oh, it was horrible. I don't know. Like, obviously, Liverpool have got some pretty significant injuries, um, but it was really uninspiring first half from both teams. It was disappointing because West Ham have come in in fairly good form. Obviously, Liverpool are quality, but like I reckon Klopp would have been absolutely steaming at halftime. He would have been clenching those false-ass teeth at halftime <laughs> so hard. Um, like, it was just such a bad performance from both teams. Yeah, like, I just I just think that they would have gone in at halftime and just gone, right, we're, we're in here. We haven't lost lost the plot here. Um, we're, we're at nil all. Right, let's, let's get it right. But, yeah, as you say, they did start with a, a rather unusual team. Um, Henderson and Nathaniel Phillips started at centre-back. As I said, that's a 12th combination there. Um, they had Milner, Wijnaldum, Thiago and Shakiri in the midfield, which is a bit unusual as well for um, a Shakiri start or even a Milner start, especially in that position. He's normally covering it left or right back. And um, Origi up, up top. So, yeah, it's a very different-looking Liverpool team. But once the second half started... That's when the match fired up. <laughs> so did you? So we go straight into it. So the Origi had a chance to score. Did you see Thiago's pass for Origi? Like it was kind of like a no look, very like um, flippant technique. Oh, it was beautiful. Absolutely. It was the type of pass where he knew where he was going, but Origi didn't. But then his pass told Origi what to do. Does that make sense? That he, he's like, got it wrong. Yeah, this is the run you need to make and he's the pass 
Yeah. So Mikel Antonio should have had West Ham in front after Milner. Oh, boy. Over. I know. I backed him and he bloody butchered it. Um, but Kloppo came out, give him a dressing down, and then we have the moment that to get the game going. Mo Salah, he's got 15 goals now this year. What a strike. Oh, jeez. Just cut in there and just whipped it. Nice and powerful, and what a left foot that is, and gave him the, the lead. It was nice. He looked bloody they, good. They needed him because, like, obviously with Origi and Shakiri, you're not you're not Firmino and you're not um, Mane. Like, they needed Mo to stand up, and he did. Like, that was brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. I really needed that. It's it's so, like, Liverpool came from a run of form where um, Firmino, um, Salah, and Mane are all sort of out of form. But, yeah, I think Mo's definitely back in form with uh, with this performance. Yeah, as I said, chopped back into his left foot, whipped it in. But a great goal, but not his best goal of the game. Yeah, so what, if you could describe this counter-attack in one word, what would it be? Oh, just probably technical, I think. Yeah, Some of the techniques. Say, it was like almost arrogant. Like everything about it was just so like confident. Like Alexander-Arnold like switched to Shakiri. Like that lands perfectly. Shakiri waddles up to it nicely and his ball over to Salah is beautiful. And then Salah's first touch. Like, oh, just Jesus. That, that is the best first touch of the season. That, that ball from Shakiri, when he hit it, I was like, oh, what's Shakiri done? He's got under that. And then Mo's just like killed it, like dead, touch of death, dead, and then little dink with his left foot. So, but what a touch on his right, right foot. He's left footed, heavily left footed too, and he pulls that out on his right foot. Absolute vintage Liverpool, that goal. Jesus like, that Christ. Um, unbelievable goal. It's not, if you're West Ham, like you can't, you can't do much about that. Like you're on the attack. They had a couple of good chances from um, corners there, so you can't blame them, but there's not much you can do about that. Yeah, so so Mo with his second, Liverpool go to two two nil at that point, um, and then when Aldum gets one late as well. Yeah, lovely goal as well. Um, so Oxlade uh, Firmino comes in, picks it up. He get he got into that space that I think they were lacking a little bit in the game. Like he picked it up in that sort of half space between the lines, goes through, finds Oxlade Chamberlain who cleverly flicks it back, and then. Firmino unselfishly squares it up for one Oldham. 3-0, another great goal. And by this stage, Liverpool are purring. Purring, and then all of a sudden, you just think, gee, the great comeback's on. Craigie Dawson, two in two, pops up in the 87th minute, but just turns out to be a consolation. Yes, yeah, bloody good corner, but like, that really whipped it. And then Dawson, great goal. Um, interestingly for West Ham, no jailings. Not even in the match day squad. Uh, not yet. He'll come. He'll come. But can we talk about real football problems here? So, um, so Kloppo, unhappy with the first half, had a bit of a run-in with James Milner. <laughs> Did he really? there. Yeah, I think so. I think he gave him a bit of a dressing down because he wasn't happy with him. Um, but all was forgotten after the game. Um, they look like they're buddies. Like they're well, yeah, see, I, I read that situation different. I think um, he come off. Milner wasn't excited about coming off. And was like, oh, why am I coming off? Klopp told him. Um, and then, yeah, two seconds later, I think who come on from him? Curtis Jones, was it? Yeah. Curtis gets involved in the goal. So, um, yeah, sort of got the made the pass before the goal. Um, and and then, yeah, Klopp and Milner sort of embraced and had a laugh about it that 
you know, well, that's why he's coming off. So yeah, so yeah, I don't think it was too bad, but. Coppo very happy with the performance. Um, he said it was a great performance, patient, which he was right. They weren't great in the first half, but it was a very patient, mature performance. And once they got going, there was no looking back. Yeah, you could tell Klopp was happy because um, of how much of his teeth you could see. Too so, much. <laughs> that was too much. But um, Liverpool back to themselves a little bit now, which is interesting. Um, I think they're still off of the level that City are playing at at the, mo- at the moment, but it's a real improvement from Liverpool, from the performances they've come from. And I think the title race is really starting to hot up. Interestingly, again, Mo didn't celebrate. He's normally a big yeah. celebrator of goals. Yeah. And after that, especially that first one, um, yeah, I thought it was a little bit unusual. He's gone the staunch look about him rather than the shirt off um, Frank the Tank type. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to read too much into it because you just don't know the mechanics of Mo's head. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know if he's protesting. I don't know what does he want a new contract? Does he want to move? Like he needs to come out and tell us what it is so that we know why he's not celebrating. Um, mm. Like it's annoying. Like celebrate. Everyone else is happy about it. It's a tough time exactly. for everyone. All right, so Liverpool up into third, West Ham stay in fifth, no movement from there. But, yeah, Liverpool closing the gap a little bit. Let's dive into our last game because we are running out of time here. Um, Brighton won. Spursy spurred it up, nil. Yeah, so I thought Manchester United um, pissed me off the most this weekend with their performance, but then I woke up this morning to see the shit that Spurs served up. Mike. God, they were terrible. They were so bad. Like oh. I, I just can't explain how I thought, yeah, Brighton played good football. Spurs are a good side. We're going to see a good game. I saw a great performance from Brighton. Spurs were absolutely dog shit. Oh, <laughs> that I, I, can't, I honestly nah. can't explain how bad I thought they were as to where they should be. And Gareth Bale was, um, I thought he was oh. in the park by a mole. And there's one what? moment, there's one moment where, well, actually a couple of moments where Brighton um, have chances, but there's a good chance at the end. I think I've got here in my notes, I wanted to make sure it was a right play. I think it's Pascal Gross. So um, Brighton have a counter attack, and Pascal Gross sprints forward like he really wants to be a part of it um, to get on the end of. Uh, a pass there and he squares it up for Connolly for Alderweireld to block it, right? So there's a moment in the first half where Spurs have a similar counter. Bale gets it, plays it into Sun, and like Sun takes off as he does, cuts inside. Gareth Bale is literally dawdling on halfway mm. and he sort of moseys out to the left wing and I'm like, what is wrong, Gareth? Like, you just don't go there. It was so yeah, yeah. disappointing to see. Even there's a couple of chances where not chances, sorry. There's a couple of moments where he was out on the right, the ball got dished out of him, sort of drifted in on his left foot, and then just played like a dinked ball in yeah. um, to the middle of Brighton's defence. And I think if um, Ben White, Webster, and Dunk can deal with anything, oh. it's probably dinked ball into their to their eighteen yard box that they do like, okay, great. If I you're mean, son, if you you're some... thinking, if I go for that, I'm gonna get my fucking head knocked off. Yeah. I mean if you want to do some interplay and um you know get to the byline and cut it back, those three guys are probably in trouble. But I mean if you're dinking balls into that eight yard box, I mean that's that's meat and drink for for those guys. Um but yeah I think it was interesting that um like Kane got injured in the the previous match and Instead of bringing um, uh, Vinicius on, um, he he just changed. He being Jose just changed his whole 
um, setup. So I think it's interesting that he rely like obviously he relies on Kane. Why wouldn't you? He's he's that good, but I think he relies on Kane as an individual. He doesn't like plug Kane into a system that he thinks works. Yeah. And so when you take Kane out of that system, um, he just has to change his whole system because it's essentially just geared to him. You know, rather than having like this is the formation and this is the style I want to play. Like for example, Leeds they can plug any of their players into that system. Like for example, Leicester they just plug their players into that system. Um, whereas yeah, Spurs are just so heavily reliant on him. As soon as he's out, they have to change the whole system, chuck the whole thing out. So I thought I thought that was um, interesting. But Bale's performance we've touched on, which was. Uh, no good. For the first time ever, Jose has lost three games in a row in his managerial career. So I thought that was interesting. The other thing was no surge there. So it's no surge. He's missed out. And so they played Suzoko, their, their center midfielder at right back. Again, another interesting selection by Jose. And the last thing I've got here is um, Tim Sherwood. Did you hear him on CoComs? No, I tend I, 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 nothing against Tim Sherwood. He's a fantastic <laughs> professional, but I tend to not listen to his commentary. So um, Spurs have gone out and signed uh, Regulong, who's is a um, a Spanish left back from Real Madrid, very continental player, extremely good. What I love about uh, what I love about Tim Sherwood is um, he insists on calling him Region. <laughs> He's like, oh, they started Suzuko at right back. They had no Reggie on. Well, firstly, <laughs> he plays on the left, and secondly, it's Reggie long. So, yeah, um, I love a bit of Tim Joe no, with that, that Cockney um, English accent that he's got. Um, gave me a real chuckle, and I needed it after watching Spurs turn up and play rubbish. Yeah, so let's let's focus on the positives here. So Brighton, fantastic start from Brighton. Should have taken the lead after like a number of seconds. Um, but for the first goal there, um, gross off the post there. So Tottenham absolutely terrible at the back there. Toby Alderweire caught in possession. Brighton moving around a bit. Um, Pascal Gross, again, the man. But Ben Davies just does not track his runner at all. Like, he doesn't even look like he's trying. And they just square it up and tuck it home for a nice little goal in there. Um so great moment for Brighton. And then I think they had the best of the chance for the rest of the game. As I said, Aaron Connolly came on, should have scored if it wasn't for a great tackle from Toby Alderweireld, but Connolly oh, didn't score on that. So good. Yeah, but he should be great scoring that. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, Spurs absolutely pathetic. Brighton, I thought, were excellent and deserved everything. I honestly thought they could have won by four or five and should have. Yep. So Spurs stay in six, no movement there, and coming off two losses, and they play Chelsea next, which will be interesting. Um, whereas Brighton down in seventeenth, but they've really kicked away from Fulham here. So they're seven points off Fulham now, um, with a win, a draw, a win in their last three games. So are you calling it? Are you saying Brighton safe at this point? What do you think? No, it's too early. For no. That. Too yeah. early for that. And Brighton play Liverpool next up um, on Thursday, so that's going to be very, very interesting. And Fulham play Leicester, so they'll probably get battered there. And then it is the Battle of the Cellar Dwellers after that. West Brom, 19th, plays Sheffield United in 20th. Um, and they've won four games between them this season, so... Yeah. There you go. So quickly, just touching on the fixtures this week. So Chef United, West Brom, that's a cracker. Wolves, Arsenal, Manchester United, Southampton, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Burnley, Man City, 
Fulham Leicester, Leeds Everton, Villa West Ham, Liverpool Brighton, Tottenham Chelsea. If you had to watch one game, which one's it going to be for this week? Oh, it's probably West Brom Sheffield United, I think. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be tuning in Tottenham Chelsea because I reckon Thomas Tuchel is going to teach him a lesson. Yeah, no, you can't go past that London derby. And um, I will be interested to see how Jose handles this. Um, and I think he might be rather agitated after um, Chelsea do a number on them. Um, but let's move on to Transfer Corner. What do you got, mate? What's going on? All right, so um, the player we spoke about earlier who has butchered his own chances of going to the Euros, Delhi Alley to PSG, stopped by your boy Daniel Levy. Daniel Levy, sharp haircut by Levy, and he's apparently he's even sharper with that pencil because, um, yeah, we didn't want to let Dally go. Um, whereas I probably would have let him go if I was Levy, especially on loan because he's, he's not playing in the, in the team. So he may as well ship his wages and see if, you know, a little um, trip to Paris would jumpstart his, his form. What do you think? Who's the winner out of this, um, PSG or Levy? I think everyone loses here. Do you? Like, yeah. Delhi doesn't get to play. Spurs don't get any money. Um, Poch doesn't get the player. He doesn't really need him. But, like, I, mm. I just like to see Delhi play football again. Yeah, me too. It'd be it's nice. So um, would be nice. So, Liverpool have solved their defender problems. Um, Preston North End defender Ben Davies, um, they're on the verge of signing. So, you know, is a title run back on? Uh, no, not based on this signing. Um, so, Ben Davies, obviously, a workman like centre back from the championship. He'll be fine. He's 25, um, centre back. He's probably still, like, I know he's 25, but he's still a bit green. Um, but I think it's a good bit of business. His contract was expiring in six months, so I think they're signing someone not to um, replace Virgil van Dijk, but potentially just give him a bit of depth in that position. But he was linked with a number of other Premier League clubs, so potentially he could be all right. Yeah, and I think the the, the guys that they've dropped in for van Dijk and Gomez, um, being Nathaniel Phillips and Reese Williams, who they tried initially, just haven't cut it, which is why I think they've moved to um, sort of playing Fabinho there and Henderson there. So, yeah, I think this spells the end of Reese Williams and Nathaniel Phillips' um, career at Liverpool. I think they'll get moved on. Yeah. All right, so next one is Diego Costa, still the free agent. All right, you've got one guess. Where's his next club? I thought Wolves. I genuinely thought Wolves would be a good move for him. Yeah, um, I reckon Spurs. Spurs, yeah, Spurs would be a good shout because you could play him on a needs basis because that's what essentially if Harry's fit, he's playing. So, yeah, yeah. that's not the Jose worst wants, Jose wants a particular type of player um, and he mm. uses a word that I would not. Um, <laughs> but Diego Costa definitely fits that mould. He does. Um, so, we spoke about this earlier. Lingard has got a loan move to West Ham. So, interesting part about – not interesting that he's left Manchester United because he was getting no game time. It is interesting to me that it, this is a loan move, not a sale. 27 years old and he's gone out on loan. Surely, his time at Manchester United is done and all parties recognise that. But apparently, he thinks he can come back with a couple of games under his belt and show his worth. But um, weird deal. Very weird deal. All right, second last one here is, um, well, the pod's Instagram actually got a bit of heat um, this week from saying that um, Matt Ryan is just going to sit on um, Arsenal's bench um, based on that they were out of the League Cup. He is cup-tied for the FA Cup. 
you probably won't start in front of Leno for the Premier League. And so it's really just the Europa League um, that he could get some game time in. And even that, they're Arsenal through the to the next round. So, I mean, we're sort of a long way through that tournament as well. So what do you think about this for Matt Ryan and Arsenal? Is he going to get on the bench? Will he make the bench? <laughs> I think he's just going there to collect the check. He has to, surely, because it's Gunmarsson. Like, he's not a bad keeper, is he? Gunnarsson, whatever his name is. A couple of howlers, yeah. but could be much worse. Uh, Runison is his name. Sorry, my mistake. Um, but, yeah, on loan from Brighton, I don't think this is a bit of a nothing move, isn't it? Like, he's not going to play. He's not going to play, but he wasn't playing at Brighton, so I'm not sure why you just wouldn't stay at Brighton and, and either fight for your spot back because he was in the squad, he's in the team, sorry, yeah. at the start, and he's definitely in the squad every week just sitting on the bench, so... Yeah, odd move. There's not going to be many chances for him at Arsenal, I wouldn't think. No. And then last one there. So, uh, Cenk Tosin has gone to Besiktas. Very forgettable player in the Premier League. Um, has not had the best time of it. But Sam Allardyce was linked with a move to him to bring him to West Brom, but that wouldn't have happened. So, he's gone back to Turkey. So, you know it's a slow window when we've got um, Cenk Tosin going to Besiktas on loan as a... Um something we need to call yeah, out. So, very <laughs> so slow January. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Facebook Football Played on Paper, Insta at Football Played on Paper, Twitter at Football on Pods. Don't forget to give us a five-star review. Um, I'd like to thank American Express. Is there anyone else you want to thank? No, just American Express. Um, get hold of those points, guys, um, and all the best. <laughs>